0: Let's learn. Pashak Korach is an intense marsh. Parshat Korach, the book of Numbers, chapter 16, and then 17, and 18, is, is a story of rebellion, a story of of power, it's a story of leadership, it's a story that has many facets to it. An familial challenge an intrafamilial challenge to Moses' leadership erupts. Korach becomes representative in our tradition, as the rabbis say much later on, of disagreement that wasn't for the sake of heaven, ulterior motives, ego, Who, who made you the king, who made you? Who are you, Moses? Not only who are you, Moses, but who are you, Aaron? Korach, who is a cousin of both Aaron and Moses. He emerges out of nowhere by Yeltsin, he kind of, he himself sprouts. There's no indication in the text that this is about to happen. And after last week's debacle of the 12 spies, we're a little bit reeling from leaders who fail. And the power in that week's portion, last week's portion, to remind us of Moses' leadership. You remind us also of how, how leaders go astray, how leadership is not a guarantee. So here we have Korach, he erupts on the scene, and in chapter 16, the rebellion is squelched, right? The rebellion is put down, literally, put down into the ground. Korach is, and his Adah, his Ada, his entire group, is swallowed by the earth. And then what happens is we learn this morning in chapter 17 we have another challenge and another test. Chapter 17 of the book of Numbers brings us into the test of Aaron's leadership. Verse 16 on page 868. As we all return there. Now, what happened, just to give some context here, what had happened in the aftermath of the, of the, I mean, Elise fishman or least Fishman this morning said it so beautifully, uh, she said, this is kind of like a, a bad Disney movie, right? Like at this moment, the earth has opened up and all of the rebels have been swallowed up. There's been a supernatural way that God has shown that, you know, the Korach is wrong. And what then breaks out in the camp is a plague. And if you, I told you to turn to verse 16. If you look back at verse 13 on page 867, <clears throat> the bottom of page 867, Aaron is the one that, that he's responsible for stopping the plague. Aaron in verse 13 Stands, like A lord ben a Here is the one who is now is responsible for not, right? He doesn't squelch the rebellion, but he's the healer. He's the one that is responsible in the text for, for stopping, for putting an end, the cessation of the plague that is broken out in the camp. And then this remarkable test arises. Verse 16. Does anybody want to read this? Write down number nine, the Lord spoke to Moses. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the Israelite I mean, people. <laughs> the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the Israelite people and take from them, from the chieftains of their ancestral houses, one staff for each chieftain of an ancestral house, twelve staffs in all. Inscribe each man's name on his staff, there being one staff for each head of an ancestral house. Also inscribe Aaron's name on the staff of Levi. Deposit them in the tent of meeting before the pact, where I meet with you. The staff of the man whom I choose shall sprout, and I will rid myself of the incessant muttering of these Israelites against you.
1: So what happens
0: here? Anybody want to give me the context? So there's now going to be a test against Aaron's priesthood. So Moses' test has been squelched. The rebels have been taken care of. Now what, Aaron? Priesthood. How does the test unfold? <laughs> so God says to Moses, tell Aaron to tell the children of Israel to bring each one of the twelve tribes as a staff. Right? They're to write their names on them. And what's going to happen, everybody? Tell me. One of those will sprout, and if it sprouts, that will be the one. It's like very fairy tale. Like, like, that'll be the one I'm choosing, right? Something is going to happen to that, to that staff, right? And since the name's drawing lots, as it were, is a goral of kind? It's going to be just a goral and so the one that's going to be, it'll be a proof, proof positive, right? Let's set it up. Once and for all, you will trust Aaron because if his stick is the one that has all of those sprouts. So what happens? People know, I mean, we know the story. What happens? It sprouts. You can fast forward in, just press fast forward, everybody. Verse 24. I'm sorry, verse 23. Bum, bum, bum. The next day, Moses enters the tent of the This miraculous staff, full of life, from dead wood, life came. And then Moses brings up all of the staffs and says, take a look. And so that staff becomes testimonial for all generations. Vayas Moshe, verse 26, everybody, fast forwarding again. So in the aftermath, everybody, of this, you would imagine, just, just be with me here for a moment and imagine this, okay? There's a, there's a question of, of leadership, there are doubts, there are complaints, there is murmuring, there's uncertainty and anxiety amongst people, and certainty has arrived, right? There's a staff, it has life in it, Everybody can look at that stuff and say like, okay, I feel better now. I know Aaron is the priest, there's no more doubts. We know who to go to. So what's next? What, what should follow if you were writing this story? I mean, obviously it's very subjective, but who wants to tell me the end of the story now? Like, give me the next couple of verses without looking. What do you think should happen? Anybody? Everybody should fall in line by now. So they'll fall in line, it's gonna be okay. It's done, I mean, it's over. So we know who the priests are. We know what our boundaries are. We know what, how leadership should work. We know where we belong. That should give us a sense of peace. But the people are scared. Anybody, anybody want to say another another option here? How this story might go and what direction it might go? We should have a town hall. We should have a big town hall meeting. We <laughs> should have a, kind of a, like a, a tribunal of, kind of like peace and reconciliation. We were pissed off. It wasn't right. We we weren't hurt. right? But this supernatural stuff, you know, it's, it's not just over because your staff flowered, you know, all kinds of blooms. We're still yeah. We still got stuff. We got to work it through. It's not over. That's that's great. That's, that's a big rush right there. I love that. Anybody else? Okay. So so there could be. In another narrative, would be like, okay, you know, God being the way God is, often in the Torah, God will say, you're all blacklisted, you know, all yous, you know, you're all blacklisted. I will punish them everywhere The people are anxious. Let's read verse 27. Vayon veron said to Moses, Whoever will close close, we're all lost. Whoever's going to come close to the tabernacle, we're in for it, it's not good. We haven't finished. Perishing. What is verse 27, everybody? What's what's happening here in the text? What's happening in the story? I mean, for a moment, we're not biblical scholars. We're going to be bringing this back to our own hearts, our own place, how this relates to us. But, like, in its own context, what's happening here for the people? They feel? They're frightened. Why are they frightened? Feel unprotected by what they just witnessed. Is a sense of humiliation and terror. These boundaries, which are intending to create safety, right? We know where to go and where not to go. Now have invited some level of terror. They're afraid. You mean, wait a second? So this is boundary is impermeable. Which means that those of us who accidentally might reach the boundary, are we going to be in trouble too? Is this going to reach us too? There's a sense of terror here about what is are the boundaries. Are they supportive? Are they healthy? Are they rigid? Are they introducing a level of, of anxiousness amongst the people about what Self-consciousness of what they were allowed to do and not allowed to do, and where do they belong? It's kind of what else is happening for people? What do you think's happening here? You're nervous, yeah, Ben. Well, I'm struck by the um, the term of Vadnu with an aleph. They they're going to be lost as opposed to Vadnu with an ayin to serve. And there's all these verses to come in just the next sections here about like don't do the wrong service, don't encroach, don't be the wrong person at the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, it reminds me also of the second paragraph of the Shema that has a similar kind of um, pun. Like, if you, do, if you do this service, you'll be good, but if you don't, you'll be lost. You'll be at Vadim and Um it, it seems to suggest that, yeah, they're, 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 they have a lot of anxiety about whether they can even be part of this. Whole enterprise. How can we actually serve God if every time we get too close, or every time we claim too much space, we we get pushed back in sometimes violent ways? So, so, so Ben Brostie. So Ben is introducing something that I'm just unpack for a moment, but then quickly, hopefully, make it use it for my own purposes. <laughs> <laughs> ben, has actually said, he drew, he drew attention to the biblical. Like the, the Bible was never read, we didn't read the Bible, only one person called it, the rest of us listened. And the word avannu, whether it's written with an aleph or an ayin, those two letters uh, orally, and how they looked up, they were saying Avanu and, we, off, and we, we don't know how the ayin was pronounced, but presuming that it is similar, it draws attention to service, and their fear that given what has just taking place, we don't know how to serve. Right, or that we might be lost in our service. What role is there for us? Where do we belong? Right, have you left any room for us to serve in a world where our service might lead us to be lost and perishing? And I want to, I just want to imagine Like, yeah. I don't know. If gonna know where the bathrooms are in our house? It's probably... okay. So imagine for a moment that we were talking not about the tabernacle in the wilderness or the temple in Jerusalem, and we're not talking about priests, we're not talking about Levites, we're not talking about that structure for a moment. Imagine we're talking about life itself. Life is the temple. Life is the tabernacle. And life has boundaries. And life has places where we are to go and places where we are not to go, as it were and we almost never know until we've gone there, and there's been a consequence, or there's been an experience that reminds us oh, I'm not gonna go there again. And imagine for a moment that in this moment of our Torah portion, on the psycho-spiritual level, for us individually, psychically, in our community, wherever we might be, we're in a conversation about how to live in a world where the feedback loop is not always clear or immediate, or when it is, we don't know if we should extrapolate from that moment to a general principle. How do you live in a world where everything is so radically unknown and contingent? How do you live in a world, say the people to Moses at the Aaron, where the earth can open up and swallow us? How do we live in a world where here is the holy and maybe in some readings of the text, we just want to know how kare, we want to get close, but we're not supposed to. How do we live in that world? What role is it for us? What medium, what avenue, what pathway are we to walk in a world where, as Midrash says, to the right is fire, to the left is ice, you know, Fire and ice, and how do we find the middle way? And so here, the Torah will introduce us to the Levites and their work. They've been introduced earlier in the book, and but the, here it's going to be an amazing thing that's going to happen because the Torah is going to say and play on the word Levi in a way that is is unique. Aaron will have Levites we are helping and have already been told us, but the Levite, the word Levite means to escort. To escort. And the only other place that we know of it being used by the rabbis, Levite, is mate when you escort the dead. There's something about escorting, about being with, about presencing, about traveling with. It's true that in the biblical text, not everyone will be able to come to the center of the temple. Not everyone will be allowed to touch. But in our own lives, me and you, this morning as we read these verses, I want to ask a question about presence and about carrying with. I want to ask a question about what it is to live a contingent life courageously. What do we need? in order to live in a world where sometimes, as someone said, there is violent or immediate push against us when we express our aliveness. How do we live in a world that sometimes, often maybe punishes our aliveness? The text will invite us to be or to see Levites as supporting the holy in some way live the escorted, being with as a model of living courageously. How about David? I think that, look, this begins with a corrupt heart. It begins with a corruption of the corrupt. So maybe the question is not so much to kind of deal with the external corruption, but to look more deeply within ourselves carried by levi us so that we don't go to the, for the parts, and to of So you're saying that so you begin it begins with corruption, begins with Korach, And we have to start there. Korach is a corrupt person in this text. And so in response, all of this is in response to this interplay of corruption either jealousy or whatever it might be, something within this person that's not skillful, but then leads inexorably towards all these other things. And that we ourselves are invited to work with our own inner Korach with our own inner Levite. Is that what you're saying? And we have opportunities yeah. right. to examples of doing behavior so we have examples of of oh, this big spectrum of human behavior between everyone. Okay. So the Levite. The Levite. Thank So, being able to say, my time will come, you haven't been chosen, right, maybe now is not the right moment, but I want to go in a different direction right now, and just call this thing for an Aliyah, because we're otherwise we're gonna be here for a while, and it's hot, I just want to, I want to offer a little Torah, if it works for you, come to the first Aliyah. Uh, if it doesn't, please just support those who do. So I want to bring from this last image from the House of gear. The Hasidic dynasty that works you know, with these texts, the way that we just did, in terms of the inner place and the heart. I just want to say that in the in the reading of that school, Kol El Mishkan that is aliveness or is joy and excitement, is pleasure. Right? Are those impulses that might lead to rebellion or to running away? Are those things? Will they be the source of our downfall? Will they be the source of our painful disconnection? And the Swast Emma says that here, in the response of chapter 18, he reads it as a response to that question, that God says to Aaron, you must carry, right? You must carry the part of you that is Aaron, says the Swastemans, which is the lover, the part of you that is responding in every given moment to a good and the part of you that is Levite, that is responding in every given moment with a desire to serve, those two must answer the question of anxiety, not in what ways might my own stability be unsafe, but a different question would be in what way might I serve for the sake of love. That's my very um, expansive reading of, of his interpretive book. And that it takes us out of the question of insecurity and into the question of, of response ability, and not as onerous or pressurized, but that it shifts ever so slightly the, the framing and the angle from avadnu, which is we might perish to avadu, how might we serve? What is being called from us, as the word charades and leave will be there. In moments of crisis, it is true that it's natural to feel anxious and to feel destabilized. In moments of crisis, in moments where aliveness has been somewhat cauterized and fear has encroached, or natural sense of fear, has risen. It is a beautiful response to interrogate that, to say, I wonder, and it's an equally beautiful response to say, in this moment, what might I hold? How might I serve? How might love and my fear, thank you for that, how might that joy, How might that fear become a place of service? So I want to just... I want to gently let everybody to... Talk. No, it's okay. Where's he? Where's he? Why don't you sit on one? I'm supposed sit right here. I'm sit right there. You yeah. might bring it I want to call in this moment this morning, at a moment in our community, and maybe in your own personal life, I don't know where anybody is at any given time. A place of service as a response to anxiety, a place of service as a response to uncertainty, a place of responding by being with, by presencing, by escorting, by looking for opportunities, not just to assuage a sense of anxiety, which of course, uh. like, be without fears, but to use that as fuel. to use it as fuel for service, being with the holy, and that that might be a portal back to aliveness and to love. If that's where you are this morning, if that speaks to you, then I invite you to to rise up and to stand with Torah this morning as we read of the anxiety and of the appointing of the Levites to be Nikopo, our name of the lovers, for this morning's first Aliyah.